right, good evening, everyone. If you would turn in the Word of God to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, it's an honor and a privilege to be able to preach while pastor's away. Do keep him and all those who went with him in prayer as they're in Louisiana, apparently, and not Tennessee. But pray for them that they have a safe trip coming back and that they'd be all back with us this Sunday. But 2 Timothy chapter 4, 2 Timothy is one of the last books that Paul writes while he's here on earth, just a short time before he is martyred for the faith by the Roman Empire. And 2 Timothy is a heartfelt, fervent letter that Paul is writing to his son in the faith, Timothy, who at this time is a pastor of another church. And 2 Timothy chapter 4 is the last letter that Paul, or rather the last chapter of the letter that Paul is writing. And it's in this chapter that we read such uh, famous verses where he says, I have fought the fight, I have finished my race. And he closes out this letter to Timothy, one of the last things he writes on earth. But as he closes out the letter, as he closes out nearly every single one of his letters that he writes, he spends time, the last several verses, where he gives personal greetings. He gives personal messages. He sends greetings to specific people. And as, if you read through Paul's letters, you'll notice this at the end of his chapters, whether it's an entire chapter or just a couple verses, that he will always spend a little bit of time, a few verses, where he gives personal messages, he sends personal messages, he gives personal updates, and he gives little thoughts in these passages. And it can be tempting to sometimes skip over these because they seem sort of like an afterthought to the letter, to the main uh, purpose as of what Paul's writing. But I love reading these little things for a couple reasons. One of the reasons I love reading these, these verses is it helps remind me of the fact that as Paul is writing, he's writing to very real people. He's writing to people with their own lives, their own families, their own struggles, their own issues, exactly the same as you and I. And so often I think I can get into the place where I'm reading the Bible and I forget that this is real people that we're talking about. But when I read those personal messages, then it helps remind me that, hey, these were real people. These were friends that Paul had, people he knew. The other reason I love reading these verses is often Paul slips in little nuggets of truth. He slips in almost off the cuff little thoughts into these verses. And it's one of these that we're going to be looking at tonight for just a few moments. You're in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Look with me at verse 9. Paul closing out his letter. He says, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. Verse 10 says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. He says there in verse 10, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. For just a few moments tonight, we're going to be focusing on this man, Demas. This man, Demas. It's a little bit of a different message than normal. The first part of the message, we're going to be doing a bit almost like detective work. Demas is not a man that you hear often in the Bible. So we're going to be looking through, we're going to be uh, examining the passages where he's mentioned, and we're going to be learning as much as we possibly can about this man, Demas, who's just mentioned briefly here in 2 Timothy. So that will be the first part of the message. And then as we close, we'll have a very practical application from all that we learned about Demas. So we're going to be jumping in right here into learning about this man, Demas, how much we can possibly get out of the Scripture and learn about what the Bible says about Demas. Hold your place in 2 Timothy, and we'll turn to two other spots. Demas is only mentioned three times in the entire Bible. Three times. Once here in 2 Timothy, 
And then we'll look at the other two right now. If you turn just a little bit to your right and to your left, uh, to Philemon and Colossians. Philemon, just a couple books to the right, and Colossians, just a couple books to the left. Philemon is just one chapter, so if you just find the book, you're good. And then Colossians will be in chapter 4. Colossians will be in chapter 4. These are the only two places in the entire Bible that we hear about this man, Demas. So we'll be looking at these two verses first. Second Timothy, we see the end of Demas. We'll get there eventually, but we'll start in these two verses in our uh, detective work in figuring out as much as we can about Demas. We'll start in Philemon, if you were there. Both of these passages, once again, are in Paul's closing. They're in his wrapping up, his greetings of the letters, and you'll see several other names listed here. But Philemon chapter 1, verse 24, says, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborer. Note there we see Demas. We see Demas there. And if you flip over to Colossians, if you have it, chapter 4, verse 14, says, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. So what we just read are the only two passages outside of 2 Timothy in the entire Bible where Demas is mentioned. Demas is mentioned in Philemon and Colossians. It's very important, it's very key to note the two books that these are mentioned in, Colossians and Philemon. I've been able and fortunate to teach through the book of Colossians in one of the Sunday school classes going on. And one of the things that we've looked at is the fact that Colossians and Philemon are sister books. They're sister books. They're written at the same time, sent with the same messenger to the same place. Philemon actually was a member of the Colossian church. It's as if I was the Apostle Paul writing a letter to White Oak Baptist Church, and I wrote a letter to the church as a whole, and then I wrote a specific letter just for Brother Jim, and I sent them both together. That's what Colossians and Philemon are. They go together. And so we see here, Demas mentioned in both of these, gives us a little bit of a time frame. It gives us a position of where we can see where Demas was in Paul's ministry. And note that it says in Philemon, it says, my fellow laborers. This tells us that Demas was one who was working close with Paul. He was in Paul's inner circle. He was part of Paul's missionary team, if you will. He says, my fellow laborers, and Demas is right there with him. Luke is mentioned in the exact same phrase in Colossians, and we know Luke, obviously, from writing both the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. We see Demas in kind of high company here, if you will, in Paul's inner circle. So now we've seen that Demas was a part of Paul's team when he wrote Colossians and Philemon. So the next thing that we need to look at is when Colossians and Philemon were written. If you would, turn over to the book of Acts to the book of Acts. Pastor preached through Acts on Sunday nights several months ago, and I loved hearing him go through that. But we'll be in Acts chapter 28, the last chapter of the book. We'll be looking at the last two verses in the book of Acts. And it'll give us a little bit of a time frame here. Acts chapter 28, verse 30 and 31. I'll read it. It says, And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house, and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God, and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. If you recall from when Pastor preached through Acts, the last several chapters of Acts involve Paul 
after he appealed to Caesar. He's traveling to Rome, and he goes through the, sh- the shipwreck and all those things that um, we talked about when Pastor was going through that. But at the end of the end of the book of Acts, we leave Paul under house arrest in Rome for two years, and it's during these two years that Colossians and Philemon are written. They are written from Rome while Paul was under arrest. So, now we have a little bit more that we can learn about Demas. We know that Demas was part of Paul's inner circle, if you will, part of Paul's missionary team, and that he was a member of this group all the way back to the end of the book of Acts. Now, the span between those two years of um, when Paul was under house arrest and his uh, execution, which is just after Second Timothy, is about five or six years. So Demas was an important pa- part of Paul's life for a pretty long length of time. Now, we don't know exactly when Demas joined Paul. I believe there's two options. One is that he met Paul in Rome and joined his missionary team. The second is that he was a part of mis- he was a part of the team from even further before that. He traveled with Paul. I believe that it is the latter. I'll show a couple of verses that say why you can disagree with me. It doesn't make too much of a difference on the message, but I just thought I'd point it out. Uh, the first reason I believe that he was a part of the missionary team for a much longer period of time was that Paul did not know anyone in Rome. He did not know anyone in Rome. When you read in Acts 28 when he arrives, the Jews say that he hasn't heard, they haven't heard anything about Paul. They don't know who he is. There's no accusation against him. He doesn't know any of the Jews in in Rome. And then when you read the first chapter of the book of Romans, Paul mentions how he longs to visit them. He longs to see them. He has never been to Rome before. He doesn't know any members of the church in Rome. So Paul doesn't know anyone in Rome. That's one reason I believe that uh, Demas, this core member, if you will, of Paul, was not just picked up in Rome. The other one, we read in Colossians, how where it says, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. He's mentioned in the same breath, the same sentence as Luke. And Luke, we know for sure, was a part of Paul's missionary team all the way through his travels to Rome. If you read in the book of Acts, you'll often see where it says we. It talks about how we did this and we did that. That's Luke writing because he was there. And Paul mentions Luke and Demas in that same sentence there in Colossians. And it leads me to believe that Demas was a part of this missionary team for a far longer time all the way back to Paul's journey to Rome. However, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. It's not the end of the world. Either way, Demas was a core part of Paul's missionary team, either starting in Rome or from traveling to Rome. But it was at least several, several years that Demas was a close friend. He was a fellow laborer with Paul. That's who Demas was. Now, the fact that Demas was this fellow laborer, this member of this team of Paul's is a very interesting thing in itself. Because if you look at Paul, one of the things you notice is that he was very particular about who he allowed to travel with him on his missionary journeys. In the book of Acts, if you recall, he and Barnabas had some serious contention over a man named John Mark. And the reason was because John Mark had abandoned them on a previous missionary journey, and Paul didn't want to take him back. He didn't, want him have, he didn't want him to go with them again because he didn't feel that he could rely on John Mark. Now, we're not discussing the ramifications, who was right and who was wrong, but the point is that Paul was very particular about who he allowed to travel with him. It had to be someone he felt he could count on, somebody he felt would be useful. 
And that tells us that he saw something in Demas. He saw potential in Demas. He saw the opportunity for Demas to be something great, to be someone great. I mean, think of who else Paul allowed to travel with him. We read in Timothy. Timothy, we have two books of the Bible about. He was Paul's son in the faith, Paul's protege. We have Titus, another book of the Bible dedicated to him. He was another pastor. You think about Luke, we already mentioned. He wrote two books of the Bible. He was Paul's right-hand man, if you will, his personal physician. We have Silas that we read about in Acts, and we know about the singing praises at midnight in the Philippian jail. And these are the people that Paul chose to surround himself with. These are some almost household names, if you will, to us who who are saved. These are heroes of the faith, if you will. And Paul said that Demas, he saw that Demas had the potential to be his fellow laborer. He was willing to accept him into that group. And think about with me for just a couple moments of what that means for Demas. Think about what that means for Demas. Here is Demas, and now he has the opportunity to to travel with Paul, the greatest missionary who ever lived. And remember, these are real people. These were, they lived real lives. Think about the times that they were just sitting around a dinner table talking with Paul and having him discuss the doctrines that God was revealing to him. Think about when Paul might read them a copy of the letter that he was sending to a church and discussing what different things meant and discussing the mysteries of God that were revealed to him. Demas was a part of this. Demas was right there for all of it. Demas had incredible opportunity. The sky was the limit for Demas. He could have ended up as a pastor of any of the other churches. He could have continued the missionary journeys into a different part of the world. There's no telling what God could have done with Demas with the opportunity that he had. He had to travel with Paul. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, outside of being one of the disciples of Christ, that would be the coolest opportunity for me looking at in the Bible, to be able to travel with Paul, to be able to learn with Paul, to be able to watch him preach and teach and go back and forth with the Jews and the, uh, the Greeks and all those different people. Demas had a front row seat to all of that. But unfortunately, that's not what happened. We already read 2 Timothy chapter 4. You can turn back there. We read these very, very sad words that Paul writes here. He says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Well, look at that phrase first, having loved this present world, because long before Demas forsook Paul, that love for the world was already in his heart. It was already rooted. It was already buried in his heart. And eventually it came out by way of him forsaking Paul. But what was it that Demas fell in love with about this present world? Well, the Bible doesn't exactly tell us. I have a couple thoughts. I believe the Bible seems to indicate I could be wrong. It could be something entirely different. But I do believe these are at least two things that you and I can fall in love with this present world. I believe the first thing that is possible Demas fell in love with was money. Was money. The key to everything that this present world can offer is money. It is the access, it is the door to everything that this world can offer. It's money. First Timothy, just a book back, Paul writes, For the love of money is the root of all evil. And that love of money, that desire to have Money and the things that money can buy is a very powerful force. Jesus said in Matthew 6:24, "No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and Mammon." Jesus puts those two masters as God or the 
wealth of this world, this, the money of the world, the things the world can offer. And Demas, if he was distracted by the pre- this present world, if he fell in love with this present world, in order to have it, he would have had to have money. It's just as simple as that. The money is the key to everything this world can offer. Like I said, I don't know that 100% sure. But I think it's very interesting that John Bunyan, in his book, The Pilgrim's Progress, I'm sure many of you are familiar with it, it's an allegory of the Christian life. And in that book, the main character, Christian, on his journey to the celestial city, he comes across a man, and this man is trying to distract Demas out of the way, or rather, subtract Christian out of the way, and he offers him a silver mine. He offers him money. He offers him silver, the key to the things of this world. And John Bunyan chooses to name that character Demas. I find that very interesting. Again, I can't prove it from the Bible, but I believe it's a very good possibility in order to fall in love with the things of this world, one needs money. The second thing, I think that is possible Demas was drawn away by what he fell in love with was popularity. say, why popularity? Well, in the Bible, names are very important. And if you remember just a couple weeks ago, Pastor preached on Nabal from the Old Testament and how Nabal's name means fool. And the Bible says he lived up to his name. Names are very important. And Demas literally means of people. Of people. You think of our word democracy. What is it? It's a government of the people. It's the same root word as Demas. Demas's name means of people. And remember, Paul is not a very popular person. You read through his through his uh, writings, you read through Acts, and you see all that Paul went through. And remember, by the time Second Timothy rolls around, he's no longer in a nice house arrest. He's in the Mamertine prison, a tiny little hole in the ground, chained to the wall with a cold river running through it. He's not popular. He's going to be executed. And if Demas lives up to his name, that's not something that's going to bode well with him. He, his name indicates that he was a man who was of the people. And Paul was an unpopular person as far as the world was concerned. Now, I cannot 100% prove that either one of those two things was what it was that Demas fell in love with. I believe it is highly likely it was a combination of both of those things, if not one or the other. But at the end of the day, the Bible tells us that he fell in love with this present world. Whether it was money, whether it was popularity, whether it was something else entirely, the Bible says he fell in love with this present world. And so we come to that first phrase of verse, verse 10, 2 Timothy 4.10. It says, For Demas hath forsaken me. This love for the world that he had, it grew up into his heart in such a way that it ultimately broke him off from Paul. And we never hear about him again in the Scriptures. This is the last mention we have of the man Demas. And it's such a sad thought Because you look at where Demas was when he began with the Apostle Paul, seeing him preach, seeing him teach, the opportunities that Demas has, and then this sad ending, all because he fell in love with this present world. Mark 8.36 says, For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Demas didn't lose his soul by way of salvation, but he went after the world and he lost something else. He lost his opportunity to to live for God, to make a difference for God. He lost that. 
Second Timothy chapter six verse ten. We read it again. We, we, rather, we read it just a moment ago about the love of money. But it's the end of the verse, which also leads me to believe that money was a part of it. It says, "Which while, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows." Demas erred from the faith. He forsook Paul. He left Paul, and he disappears. We don't know what happened to Demas. We only have these three verses. Two tell us that he started off great. One tells us of a very, very sad ending in Demas' life. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about you and I here today. We sit here in White Oak Baptist Church. We sit here in a great church with a pastor who loves God and loves us. We sit here with the Word of God in our lap. We sit here with the Holy Spirit of God living in our hearts. And we sit here with a world outside us that is getting darker and darker and darker. And we have just as much potential as Demas did to make a difference in this world. We have just as much potential. The need is just as great. We sit here with just as much potential as anyone ever has to do something with God. But our danger is exactly the same thing as Demas's. Our danger is exactly the same present world that Demas faced. And if we're not careful, it can become so distracting, we can fall so in love with it, that we end up losing our potential, losing our opportunity to accomplish what God wants to do through us, all because we've fallen in love with this present world, whether that's money, whether that's popularity, whether that's something else entirely. Each one of us have different desires. Each one of us have different draws to the world. But we all stand the same risk of falling in love with this present world and having that sad statement written about us that we forsook, that we turned our backs. And at the end of the day, when you look at Demas, Demas did not truly forsake Paul. What he did was he turned his back on Christ. I'm reminded of the passage, I'm not sure which gospel it's in, but Jesus says to his disciples, the world hates you because they hate me first. And if we turn our back, we're not turning our back on Pastor Lejeune, we're not turning our back on White Oak Baptist Church, we're not forsaking our brothers and sisters here, ultimately we're forsaking Christ. Ultimately we're turning our back on Christ. And that's the danger of falling in love with this present world because it puts us at risk of turning our back on Christ. And to me, that's a very, very scary thought. I don't want it said of my life that he had potential, he started out great, he had opportunities, but then he turned his back on them. You know, Jesus says we're to be looking for that well done, that good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear, not you forsook me because you fell in love with this present world. And as we look at the life of Demas, I believe we see this pattern of a man who had great beginnings, great potentials. Wherever he joined Paul, it doesn't necessarily matter, but he was with the Apostle Paul. He was, it was an exciting time. You think about the missionaries of the early church. You think about how it was exploding, how it was growing, how churches were being started all over the place, how the Word of God was going out, how the gospel was being preached. Demas was right there, hands-on, a part of everything that was going on. But the world was so distracting to him, the world was so enticing to him, he fell in love with it. 
And as a result, he turned his back on Paul, and ultimately he turned his back on Christ. And as we're here today, we sit here, and we sit here in White Oak Baptist Church, we sit here in Stratford, Stratford, Connecticut, we see all that's going on around us. We see the hurt in this world. We see the pain in this world. We see how much this world needs Jesus. But we also see how enticing the world is. More than ever, I mean, you just drive down the road, you see billboard after billboard for stuff, 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 stuff. It's all a trap to try and distract us by this present world, to get us to fall in love with the things that this world can offer, money, popularity. Again, whatever it is, fill in the blank in your life that the devil can use to help you fall in love with this world. And if we do that, we stand the risk of having our heart swayed, having our heart taken away. And like Demas, it could be said of us that we didn't forsake Paul, but we forsook Christ. We forsook Christ. At the end of my life, that's not what I want to hear. At the end of my life, you've heard it said that, uh, I believe it goes, he who dies with the most toys still dies. I believe it, the expression goes something like that, saying that at the end of the day, when we die, we don't take anything with us. And if we fall in love with this present world, what we're falling in love with is something that we can never take with us. It's not going to matter in eternity. It'll only, it only affects us in this tiny little thing we call life, and then once we die, that's it. It's gone. It doesn't matter. But if we don't fall in love with this present world, and rather we stay in love with Christ, and we stay in love with serving Christ, we have treasures in heaven, the Bible tells us. We have treasures in heaven. Demas, he got so distracted. He got so caught up in this world that at the end of Paul's life, he's sitting alone in a prison. He's going to be executed very shortly by the Roman government. And what does he have to say? Not that Demas is there helping him, not that Demas is there alongside him, but Demas has forsaken him. Such a sad story, such a sad thought of this man who's only mentioned three times in the whole Bible. And we can see this pattern of somebody who got caught up in the world. They had a great start, they had great potential, but they ended up forsaking Christ. They ended up turning his back. And I pray that for each one of us tonight, as we live in this culture that is so materialistic, that is so pushing things and stuff and the things of this world, I pray that as we're Christians, as we're White Oak Baptist Church, that we would be a church who doesn't fall in love with this world, but rather we stay in love with Christ, we stay in love with His Word, we stay in love with the Gospel, we stay in love with serving Christ, and at the end of the day we hear that, well done, good and faithful servant, rather than you forsook me and you love this present world. Lord, I do love you so much. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for how we can learn, even just from this man who's just briefly mentioned. And God, I pray that as each one of us are here today, God, we'd examine our hearts. Lord, and we see if there is love for this present world in our lives, Lord. And I pray that the story of each one of us would not be that we forsook you, but rather we live for you, and we love you first and foremost in our lives. God, I do pray for each one of us that we wouldn't have that story about us. Lord, I pray if there is love in this world in my heart, that you would show me. I pray you'd forgive me, God. I pray that you would root it out of my life. Show me where that is a, a distraction in my own heart, in my own life, Lord. I pray that each one of us would live our lives for you, God. And we would 
we would hear that, well done, Lord. I pray that we wouldn't forsake you, we wouldn't turn our back on you, Lord, but rather that we would love you and live for you. Lord, thank you so much for your word, Lord. I pray everything we say and do would honor and glorify you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.